talk to me, damn it, or else I'm gonna throw you in the fire! You like scary movies. Ghost story and horror film addict. Ooh, scary movie. Welcome to Brookie Night with your favorite uncle and host, Alexis Chainsaw Massacre. Welcome to Boogie Nights. This is your favorite uncle, stepson, neighbor, godmother, and host, Alexis Chainsaw Massacre. Back at you after a little over a month. I really don't watch anything new during spooky season. A lot of times I'm just re-watching all my faves, all the classics I've seen. Some of them hundreds of times. And sadly, it's over. At least like per the calendar standards. But it's never over my fucking heart, soul, and bones. I am going to keep watching the spooky shit, making the spooky shit. It's never ogre. So remember that if you're getting a little bummed out that we have no more Halloween. So the first thing I started to watch after Halloween was Goosebumps. I had seen that it hit Hulu. I saw that Justin Long was in it. And I was pumped because Justin Long's great in horror shit. Bad things happen to him all the time. Matter of fact, in the first episode... Arlo was sitting next to me, and I made a joke when he opened the basement door. I was like, he's just going to start measuring for extra square footage every any second now, or he's going to turn into a walrus or be dragged to hell. So, initially I was into it. It was entertaining enough, because I love Goosebumps, the books. I loved the show, the movies when I was a kid. It was definitely a gateway to horror for me, but the original Goosebumps show... The fucking theme song slaps. It's one of my favorites. Like, I will play that thing on repeat on my Spotify playlist. But the show itself doesn't hold up. So, this new Goosebumps was definitely making changes where it needed to be changed and updated it a little bit. But, I don't know, towards the end, I was just starting to get over it. I'm like, okay, so... This this boy died, and he was haunted by a mask, and he also had the dummy, and then there's the cuckoo clock of doom. It's just like, okay, it's it just became a little bit much. I would just rather watch the fucking Jack Black movie again where he's R.L. Stein. That was fun. So I had seen that Netflix drop The Fall of the House of Usher, and I was like, fuck yeah, dude. Because Mike Flanagan has had some real bangers in the past. I love Haunting of Hill House. That's probably one of my favorite shows of all time. And I love a, a few of his other movies and shit that he's done. Midnight Mass was another really good show, too. But in terms of movies, love Doctor Sleep, Gerald's Game, Hush is pretty good. So, and I actually, I was re-watching last night uh, Ouija, Origin of Evil. Because I'm like, I know I had seen this movie and people talk about it being pretty good. But I really don't remember anything about it. So I was watching it again. I was like, oh, yeah, this movie's pretty fucking solid. I was getting it confused with the other Ouija, which wasn't really all that great. And then another one I need to watch again is Oculus because that's another one people enjoy, but I just, it, it didn't hit me at the time, so I'd like to watch it again. So Fall of the House of Usher actually is really similar to Goosebumps in one way. The fact that each episode is a different Edgar Allan Poe story. That's about the only similarity that they have, but and the only parallel I can draw between the two shows I was watching. But uh, Fall of the House of Usher is a Poe story, I do believe in and of itself. But the show starts off right off the bat 
with, you see a few of Mike Flanagan's originals. He uses a lot of the same actors and actresses, which American Horror Story does. I really do like that. And in this situation, I saw a few of them together and I was like, what are, how are they tied together? Because I'm, I'm kind of confused. But it starts off immediately in court. This family, um, shit, what are they called? The Ushers, duh. <laughs> if you just get confused, think of the R&B singer, I guess, fuck. The Ushers, the whole, the whole fam damnly, they're sitting in court. Uh, Mark Hamill is the family's attorney, and this other lawyer, Augie, is trying to prosecute them, but just can't nail them to anything. This family is just untouchable, even though they've done a bunch of diabolical things. They just, no crime can stick to them. Fucking Mark Hamill, Arthur Pym, is one hell of a lawyer, and they just can't be fucked with. Then it fast-forwards a little bit in the future, Roderick Usher, who is, you know, the head of the family and responsible for all the fortune, is sitting with Augie, and it's almost seeming like an interview, and that's essentially what it is, because Roderick tells Augie that he's going to confess to him, and you have to watch the whole show to figure out his full confession and what it entails, but right off the bat, he tells you he lost all of his children, in mysterious circumstances. And Augie's saying, well, you know, there were autopsies and all this shit done. We know how your kids died. And he's like, oh, wait, there's more. So you find out what the fuck is going on. So between that and the title, The Fall of the House of Usher, you assume that, you know, good things aren't happening. And, you know, with a big empire like the Ushers, a big fucking dynasty, Mongols, whatever, you can assume that there's a rise and a fall, especially with a family that rich that gets away with all types of shit. If you've seen Goodfellas, Wolf of Wall Street, whatever the fuck it is, it never ends well. You know that there's going to be a fall. So it's all about how do we get here? And I love stories like that where you already know to a degree what's going to happen, but you don't fucking know, let me tell you. So Roderick is going through the years, the decades. Him and his sister Madeline, they lost their parents when they were young. I forget what happened to their dad, but he was a part of this drug company called Fortunato. I don't remember if he died or went to get a pack of cigarettes or whatever the fuck it was. And then their mom was a super religious lady that refused to go to the doctor because she was sick and just like died a painful death. So ever since then, I guess they were in the system and they were orphans, and but they always stuck together, Roderick and Madeline. Well, you go years, years and years later, Roderick has a wife and two kids of his own. Both of them are working at Fortunato in the mailroom, and Roderick has this awesome pitch lined up for this painkiller that is allegedly like has no side effects and it's non-narcotic, non-addictive, but the dude that listens to him, the head of the company or whatever, just shoots him down and this and that. And, you know, he's just a rich asshole and he's like, that's not where the money's at, blah, blah, blah. So Roderick's feeling all dejected, but luckily his sister Madeline, you know, she's she's really a bad bitch at the end of the day. You know, that's probably one of her be better qualities. It makes her not a very empathetic human being, but she's not taking that. She's like, oh no, 
we will take over this company that was our father's. We will get what's ours. So there was one New Year's Eve, I don't know, 1980 or something like that. They closed down this bar. And this bartender is, you know, yucking them up, yakking them up, keep serving them drinks. And then all of a sudden she's like, so what if I told you that you could have a life of luxury and fame and comfort you wouldn't want for anything? And then the two of them lean in a little closer. They're like, yeah, that sounds fucking dope. What's the catch, though? Especially Madeline. She's like, ooh, you don't get all that much for nothing. So the bartender says, well, all that I would need from you is that towards the end, whenever you've lived, you know, pretty long, substantial lives, your next generation all goes down. The two of you enter this world in together and you'll enter out together. That's it. So they're like, yeah, let's do it. So they forgot about it. Then Roderick Usher's children start dying one by one. And he at first has no idea why. And then it keeps going. Now, the one thing about this show, every character is some type of piece of shit. Some more so than others. So... You're kind of like Batman with a bomb where he doesn't know where to drop it, but that's you with all your empathy, and you're like, which character do I empathize with? Where do I want to drop this empathy bomb? Oh, on no one? Okay. So you're just like waiting through the first couple episodes to find any redeemable quality in anyone. So it's it's rough for a little bit. And now, and I had the same problem with Hill House too, more so with Hill House because like, Three or four of the main women all look similar, so you're like, who the fuck is who? But with the ushers, four of the six kids are who they call the bastards because they are they were conceived through illegitimate mothers like one-night stands and shit. So you're like, you have a black lady with a British accent, you have a white man with a British accent, you have a little Greek-looking dude, you have these two white as... F- it's like... And then you have a way younger lady that you think is one of the kids, but it's actually Roderick's wife, Juno... And you're, and you're like, and at first, Madeline kind of presents like she's maybe their mother, maybe the ex-wife that's still really close. But then you realize, oh no, Roderick and his sister are just like attached at the hip and not in like a weird fucking incestual way. Thank God. But they are definitely, she has influenced everything that he's done and very heavily involved in his affairs. So... As each child dies, it's really kind of, it really paints a picture of how callous and heartless, how these people are just like evil human beings. Instead of Roderick being upset that his kids are just going one by one, he's having his lawyer prep his kids of how to respond to the press and how, oh, we don't want to let too much be given away because we're still in the middle of this trial and this and that well as time goes on madeline realizes that the woman the bartender who they refer to as verna in the show she is involved in pictured or has some kind of evidence of being at all the kids deaths so madeline's like what is going on here so she gets mark hamill involved And they find out 
what's going on. And essentially, it's what they forgot from all those years ago. I'm going to stop there because I don't want to ruin anything. But I do want to say, for one thing, Mike Flanagan's shows and movies are great for bisexuals like me. Because some of the men smoking hot. The dude that played Leo, fucking delicious. And then you have Carla Gugino and Kate Siegel, Mike Flanagan's wife, that they have to be, I don't know, I would argue like two of the hottest white women in Hollywood. So you have them right there. It's just like, oh, and Carla Gugino, she plays Verna, this this character of supernatural ability. You don't know. She's not like necessarily death. You don't know what she is and it's kind of left up to mystery, but she has a handed fate. And so she gets to wear many hats, many wigs, and she's not only she's smoking hot, but she is such a good fucking actress. She's got those chops. And she, I don't know, like the whole, I had to look up afterwards just some, I, I was interested in uh, listening to some explanations and shit. And Verna is Raven switched around. I was like, oh God, symbolism. Fuck. I don't pick up on these things a lot of the time. I just get sucked in. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, that makes sense. There's definitely a Raven throughout the show. There's a lot of different Poe Easter eggs. So if you're a fan of Edgar Allan Poe, you'll definitely appreciate this show even more. I definitely, you don't need to know any Poe to love this show. It's still awesome. But each each episode is a Poe short story or poem. You have Mask of the Red Death, uh, Rue Morgue, Pit in the Pendulum, The Black Hat. And so they all have something to do with that theme. And honestly, I would suggest if you just like let them play through and don't look at the name of the episode, that's probably even better. Unfortunately, uh, I fall asleep during stuff all the fucking time. And that's why I don't watch shows as much anymore because I have, it takes me fucking two nights to get through a 45 minute show sometimes rewind and then I'll fall asleep. So I had to see the titles a lot, but if you can go into it a little blind, actually that might be pretty cool. But one of the characters, uh, Roderick's granddaughter is Lenore. His ex-wife is Annabelle Lee. I'm like, oh, that's so fucking familiar. And I had to look it up. Yeah, the, the, the poem's called Annabelle Lee. I was like, oh, yeah. And it was about his wife that he lost to tuberculosis. TB. That was a hell of a disease back in the day. It killed everybody. Um, So I had to look that up. And then, you know, there's a raven throughout. Definitely, I want to go back and reread some Poe because it's been years. I have a big, thick book downstairs of all his shit, but I don't read very often, and it's been a long time. My favorite, or at least what I remember being my favorite, is The Telltale Heart. That episode and The Pit and the Pendulum were probably my two favorite. Each episode focuses on a different one of the kids and how they get killed, and there's times where I, you know, I was half asleep, dozing off, and I'm like, oh, yes, this is fucking savage, are you serious? I just got so excited, I was like, yeah, good job, this is fucking dope, and that's how the Telltale Heart and the Pit and the Pendulum made me feel, I was like, God, this is so good, I'm so excited, 
Uh, the Black Cat was really cool, too. That was another one of my favorites. So, very unique kills. This show, honestly, it's an awesome mix of horror, thriller, a little suspense, a little, you know, American Gothic literature, some dark comedy. There was parts I was laughing, and I don't know if it was meant to be funny, but I was like, this is fucking awesome. Definitely cried on a couple different times, at, all in the last episode. Because one thing Mike Flanagan does very well is develop characters. And there's a lot of different themes of, you know, like, if if you could have it all but with one drawback. And it just gives you a good light of what is having it all? What does it mean? Does having it all, does it make it worth it to sacrifice your humanity and your entire family? And at the end, Roger gets his, of course. I'm not going to tell you how, but... It is brought to light by Verna how many lives he's affected negatively because he's a piece of shit drug salesman. And it's like, yeah, guess what? Big Pharma now is a piece of shit. So I don't know. Just a lot of themes there. Madeline's character, she is so fucking cold. And there's times you're like, wow, does this bitch have an ounce of humanity or compassion in her? But then at the same time, you're like, she is a bad fucking bitch. Good for her. And having to stand next to her brother at times where it was a man's world. So that was fucking awesome. Verna's character, Carla Gugino, like I was saying, she shows up in many different capacities, different appearances. And her character is really cool. And reading that she was the Raven makes sense because she is kind of looking at them from an outside perspective like a bird would. And then when I, I saw a video where she said something like that, I was like, wow, good job, Alexis. You picked up on that fucking piece of symbolism. Like, it, fucking metaphors and shit aren't my forte. But in this show, they I don't know, they were really well used. But I, I really, I just liked her supernatural aspect. And she wasn't, I don't know, she stays fairly Switzerland. Like, you can tell she wants... The, the ushers to do good with their shit and she's kind of rooting for them but also she has no problems taking them down per her agreement and deal that she made with them too so I really enjoyed her character all the children all six of them they're all shitty and it shows you like what living in a family of this caliber has done to them and as time goes on, especially right before a lot of their deaths, you start to see a little bit of human in them that you want to cling on to and be like, oh, you know what? Actually, he's not as big of a shitbag as I thought. And you kind of start to root for them a little bit, maybe some more than others, but then guess what? They die. So each, and it shows how each one has been affected by their lifestyle. They're all fucked up. And so obviously the fame and fortune, the riches, the luxury, it didn't help them that much. So that that was very interesting. And at one point, from the first kid's death, Perry, uh, Freddie, one of the other sons, his wife is at Perry's orgy party. And gets affected by that. And he's like, what the fuck? Why was she there? So as she's hospitalized trying to get answers there. And he isn't. And 
his daughter Lenore, the granddaughter, she's one of the characters, the only one that has any redeeming qualities. She's trying to figure out what's going on with her mom. She's starting to feel wildly unsafe and her dad's acting weird. The family's acting weird. She's like, Grandpa, because she loves her grandpa for some reason, even though, I don't know, I'm surprised she doesn't see that he's a fucking dickbag. But he's just like, everything's fine, you'll be okay. No. Mind you, I knew I was going to like Lenore's character because I forget this actress's name. Baby Girl played Abra in Doctor Sleep. And I, oh my God, the psychic children, they, I don't know, something about them, whether it's the books or the movies, they always tug at my heartstrings. Those are some characters that go through some real shit. So I I loved her in this too. She did a great job. I don't know what her name is. Um, Kate Siegel, she's one of the bastard children. Her name's Camille. She dies pretty early on. You have Camille, who dies after Perry. Let me think. Then you have Leo, Victorine. Those are all the bastard children. Then you have Freddie and Tammy. Those are from the first marriage. So they consider themselves like the full Usher blood or whatever. They are all pieces of work. They all have their significant others wrapped up into this, their families. All kinds of family drama and bullshit. You have Juno, who I mentioned earlier, Roderick's wife. You find out she was a junkie, real hooked on heroin, and he, his drug wound up saving her life, and that's how they met. And they don't necessarily see her as family initially, but that, you know, kind of changes as things go on. So... I don't know. Acting-wise, everybody fucking knocked it out of the park. They did awesome. You de- And you definitely see, like, oh, yeah, this family is not close. The dad definitely pit them against each other. They don't trust each other whatsoever. Definitely, definitely great dynamics, characters. They're not great. They suck. But you definitely you get sucked into the story and the way that Poe is used... It's just so fucking creative. I I don't know. Like, this show was damn near perfect. I loved it. I, I would say, like, it was a very close second to Hill House. But just because, I don't know, Hill House is one of my favorites of all time. This is super close second. If I had to rank, I would say Hill House, this, Midnight Mass, and... Um, what was the other one? The Haunting of Bly Manor. That one was by far the weakest link out of all these. It was still okay, but I definitely didn't like it as much. I still need to watch The Midnight Club or whatever. I feel like that one just kind of slipped slipped into things. And I just, I don't know, it just wasn't on my radar for a long time. So that's definitely going to be something that I'd watch soon. It's funny, like, I lose trains of thought so much and just get on these, you know, little kicks. At first, I agreed with one of my coworkers that I would rewatch all the Jasons. And while I've started to do that, now I'm like, well, now I want to go back to the Mike Flanagan universe again. Just staying on task is super difficult. I wish I didn't have a life and could just watch all this shit all day. But you got to make money to be able to watch all the shit that you want to. So I will get to all of it at some point. I want to rewatch some of the movies and shit too. Oh, Shout out again. 
I started to talk about him, but Mark Hamill is Arthur Pym playing this fucking Mike Ermitrout type of character as a lawyer. He just, like, does all the shit, takes care of everything. You know, we're used to our beloved uh, Luke Skywalker, our Joker, even our Chucky at one point, him playing all these cartoony, larger-than-life characters. But as Arthur Pym, he's just wearing this hat and these little spectacles, and he's like, yeah, I took care of that body. It's like, and he, I don't know, he's just cool as shit, not something I necessarily would ever expect out of Mark Hamill. It's fucking awesome. So, I don't know, all of them did a hell of a job. You know, visually, it's a great show. The music is good. The the storyline is great. Even though, like, you know all these kids are going to die, you're waiting to see how and what's going to happen to Roderick and Madeline at the end. Honestly... I would love to watch it again. I want to read some Poe because even just looking up what I did, it was like, oh yeah, Annabelle Lee and Annabelle Lee, your heart does go to her too. And you're like, wow, if she had stayed in their lives and obviously she's not here now for a reason, how different the story would have been. And just a great overarching theme of what does being rich really mean? Is it money? Is it having a loving family to go home to? I don't know. It made me do a lot of thinking in the last episode definitely made me really emotional. Even though I had done my famous, you know, falling asleep for a bit and then waking up literally during the last two minutes of the show. And I think I know what the fuck is going on. And I realized, oh, no, no, you need to you need to go back and watch what happened. And I'm so glad that I did because it definitely fits more. You know, it it makes a lot more sense. I was like, oh, really? This is how it ends? But then when you watch it with some context, which I recommend that you do, it makes a lot more sense and it wraps everything up. And I don't know. Thank God, because it just seemed kind of stupid. It was like, what? So I would definitely, definitely give it a watch if you have Netflix. I would say, you know, 10 out of 10. It was great. It's got, you know, everyone I've talked to for the most part likes it. I think so more than others I am definitely all here for it. That was a good piece of TV. Eight episodes. They range from like 50 to an hour and 15 minutes. So it is tough for me to get through. It took me, I don't know, probably a week and a half, two weeks to get through all eight episodes because I'm not good at being a conscious human being. But definitely worth it. I'm going to jump out of the Midnight Club next. And people have been bugging me about watching Last of Us. And I want to, but it's also like, well, I heard the next season's not coming out till fucking 2025. I have a memento fucking memory and I'll just have to watch it again anyway. So maybe I should just wait um, till it gets a little closer to watch it. Because that's a lot of my problem too. There's a lot of good ass shows, but I don't remember any of them. And then I get seasons behind. I'm like that with a marvelous Mrs. Maisel now. It's over. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm two seasons behind. But it's like, no, no, you're pretty much all the way behind. You just need to start the fuck over. And I got to get Arlo to watch it, too. So there you go. If you like eye candy and attractive people, watch it. If you want a good storyline, watch it. If you want some Edgar Allan Poe shit in your life, watch it. I don't know what else to tell you. Just fucking watch it. I'm telling you, it's worth your time. I, you know, it, it was a good way to you know, transition to this new season of, it's not Halloween anymore, I'm kind of bummed out, I need something to help me through this, so there you go, 
give it a watch. I told you what we have coming up that we uh, have to look forward to. Or maybe I didn't, actually. I've shot this so many times because of the cats. We have Five Nights at Freddy's, which Rachel told me was really shitty. And I know it's not going to be that great, even with Matthew Lillard, because Willy's Wonderland already came out, and Nick Cage was in it, so how are you going to beat that? But I did start playing the game, though, and it's so much fun. I had never played it, but the jump scares are so fucking great. Like, I'll wake Arlo up from sleeping because I'll be like, bah! Because <laughs> I don't see those little shits coming. So I wouldn't mind seeing the movie. It looks fun. I had just read that uh, the the animatronics were not CGI. They were people in costumes and made by the Henson Company. And I don't know if I've told you guys, but I love me some Muppets. I think it was last Christmas or two. Arlo and I were at a bar crawl sitting right next to a lo- like a loud DJ speaker. And I was like, why don't we own the Muppets movies? Bought them all right then and there. We have, there's this... Uh, Christmas slashery movie that's out now. It's called It's a Wonderful Knife. It looks like some kind of slasher parody of It's a Wonderful Life. Joel McHale's in it, so I assume it's probably not all that serious. And then we have Thanksgiving coming out. The Eli Roth movie that we've all been waiting for since Grindhouse. Which also, you know, where the fuck is werewolf women from the SS? You know, of the SS, my bad. I know Nicolas Cage would do it. We just got to get Rob Zombie on board, and then we can make everything come true. Because Machete, Machete, whatever you want to call him, was fucking dope. I love that movie. So hopefully we just have more and more shit to look forward to. There's some shit on Shudder I got to watch, some catching up that I need to do from Spooky Season when I was watching all my faves. I'm going to keep watching the series um, because of all the Jasons I haven't seen. And... My one buddy told me, Jason Lives is the best. I'm like, well, I doubt it because Jason X is. But, you know, I'll give it a chance. We'll see. So I'm sure I'll have more shit to talk about. As always, slide into my DMs if you have shit that you want me to review. Whether that's uh, Facebook, Boogie Nights, or I think on Instagram, I'm all B-O-O-G-I underscore nights or some shit. I don't know. You'll find it. Or you'll just find the, the movie page for boogie nights i don't fucking know figure it out all right thank you guys so much for listening and as always stay safe and stay spooky all right peace dudes